listening to Off The Line. Welcome back, everybody, to Off The Line. My name's Jack. Today, I'm joined by Jake and Aiden. As always, we return from an international break which saw Canada, who we are going to discuss, Canada get some very important results in terms of their qualification. And then we're also going to go through the latest uh, results in the Premier League season. But first of all, Jake, how are you? Hey, Jack, I'm doing good. Like you mentioned, just an exciting two weeks with the the Canadian games, obviously, and then the, the Premier League and the Champions League coming back. Obviously, the results haven't quite gone my way. Something must have happened because uh, I know I'm not going to go too long here, but United losing to a 95th minute winner yesterday. Then, uh, of course, like my other team, Toronto FC, losing to a 95th minute winner last night. And then Inter just losing today to a 90th minute winner. I must have done something bad in the last couple of weeks that I can't remember because uh, it feels like I'm cursed. But obviously, other than that, I'm doing well. And yeah, even though I just mentioned the results, just excited that the Champions League is back and I can now uh, fill my weeks just watching the games uh, at all times. Aiden, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very, very well over here. Same as always, same update for me, just waiting for FIFA 22 to come out. That's about it. How are you, Jack? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm just in, in the middle of school now and obviously just watching all the games and stuff. I know I said this earlier earlier on a couple of episodes ago or pretty much at the start of the season it's so much better having the fans back in the stadiums it just makes such a big difference it just seems like everything else didn't really count before but now it's really good every game's actually exciting but yeah I had a good good time and it was a good week off obviously for us and then the international break which we'll get into right now discussing Canada who we don't usually discuss on the podcast but we're going to now because they're in the final round of the World Cup qualifying stage for Qatar next uh, next uh, December next winter for the World Cup they've played three games they got a win in two ties in, uh, in some very impressive matches which saw them end up in second we know it's early we know there's still games to be played um, but Jake what do you think that that this means for for I guess the future of of soccer in this country if they actually can pull something off here? Yeah, like you said, like we know the the Canadian soccer I guess program has been um, pretty much transformed in the last what would you guys say two three years something like that. Um, obviously we went to see them play at, in Toronto about two years now, right before COVID started, and that was really near the start of of the change and. Just getting some some good results. I know, uh, obviously, drawing against the USA last week and and beating the US last year for the first time in thirty four years, um, it, it'd be it'd be amazing. I guess there's not really a better word to say it. Unfortunately, like, not unfortunately, but it's been well, yeah, it's been a while since Canada qualified since nineteen eighty six. Obviously, Canada's only qualification, and it'd be it'd be a really big deal just because obviously we know the the World Cup's going to be hosted by the the three North American countries in in twenty twenty two, and to have Canada qualify before for the for the World Cup previ- previous to that, obviously it's not just the only benefit, but just have the experience for a lot of the young players of playing in a World Cup like Alfonso Davies and. And Jonathan David and whoever else will still be around for the 2026 World Cup. It'd be it'd be unbelievable. Obviously, Canada still have some tough fixtures to go, like two games against Mexico, another game against the U.S., etc. But every single team has to play the the same teams, right? So it's, it's going to be equally difficult for everyone. So it is just exciting, and and yeah, it's 
for a long time, like obviously when we were younger, just watching Canada play, it was just something that I didn't do because Canada, you figure Canada would lose. And, and yeah, the, I think one of the first games that, that I watched Canada play was maybe five or six years ago. And I think they tied Belize, which I don't even know where that country is. They tied them 1-1 and it was just a, a terrible game. And it's a very exciting transformation. Obviously, the coach came over from the from the women's side where he had some great success as well. I think uh, two two bronze medals in the Olympics, if I remember properly. So, yeah, it is exciting the, the just to change the program. A lot of young players coming. Obviously, like I mentioned, I mentioned Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David playing in Europe, as well as as Tejan Buchanan, who's going to go to Club Bruges in January. So, yeah, it's just exciting times ahead. Lots of more players playing overseas, which obviously can only help Kyle Laren and Atiba Hutchinson as well, who played today for for Besiktas and. Yeah, it's just very exciting. It's nice to see a, a good competitive Canadian team because it's it hasn't really happened before in our lifetime, to be honest. So it's just exciting to see how high exactly Canada's Canada's team can go. But yeah, that's I'm not going to go into the the results because I, I I missed two of them this this break because I was away on vacation. But yeah, just the game against El Salvador was very good. It's just a nice statement of intent and yeah, really showing Canada are, are giving like the USA a, a run for their money whenever they play now and the same for Mexico. So it's nice to see that Canada can, can kind of hang at the top with the big boys of the, of the region. So that's pretty much all I have to say. It's just very exciting. Uh, Aiden, what do you think? Yeah, very, very exciting. Uh, like you say, but I don't want to go Roy Keane mode, but it, it kind of all means nothing if they, if they don't finish it off here. So they just need to watch their staff continue what they're doing and not drop any points against teams that they probably shouldn't like a, maybe a Panama or Jamaica, Honduras, and then just try to nick more draws like they did against the U.S. already. But it is very good progress. That's what we always bang bang on about for our club side. So, yeah, I think that's a big word, progress. But they, they need to kind of finish off the job or else uh, it's just kind of a waste of a cycle and a waste of the, the kind of the good start that they have. But, yeah, the, the good generation coming through. That's really all I have to say. Progress, but we'll have to wait and see. That's our tagline. What do you think, Jack? No, I definitely agree with with both you guys. And it's like like you said, Jacob, we we in our lifetimes we haven't seen them qualify for a World Cup. But like like you said, Aiden, if if they get the results that they need to and get the wins, especially at home, they should be able to beat like with the squad that they have. And we that that's why we're excited is the fact that the squad actually has some players who are who are truly capable, like some really good players in there and some good experience as well who are definitely capable of uh, beating these teams. And we can actually, for the first time, uh, expect them to get these, get these results. And then when it comes to, like you said, in the way performances, if they can just be solid, like we've seen them so far in qualifying, just be solid defensively, look fairly organized, although there are questions over uh, some of the center backs. Um, but again, that we don't have a ton of, of options to choose from if we can just be organized and, and nick those away uh, draws, nick the wins, just make sure you don't lose. And then, then just play as, as well as you can against Mexico, against the United States. And again, like to qualify the top three, go through and then the fourth spot, which hopefully you try to get into the top three. And I think they genuinely do have a chance. We can't, we can't confirm it obviously, but from the start we've seen so far, I think that it really, really, um, they, they could be very, very close. I think it's going to be a close one. And um, I guess the main thing would be the fact that this is only for the 2022 World Cup. And it would, if, if they could qualify through 
for the guitar world cup just through their own merit and through proper qualification phases i think that if they got into one world cup and then the second one was back home and and like split between like you said jake canada mexico and the states i think that it could do a lot for the attention that the receive the sport receives in the country and I think everybody can really get excited and, and get behind the team. But just last question on, on this. Do we, I know it's very early again, very, very early to say this, but Jake, what are you, do you think if, if you're going to give a yes or no, are they going to qualify? I will go for a yes. I think, I think Canada, like as the, the country, we're definitely in the top four, probably best teams in the region, even though, uh, like you said before, the, the top three get um, automatic qualification. The fourth place gets a playoff. I believe the playoff is against like, New Zealand or something like that. So I think anyway, even even though whatever, it should be doable. So just yeah, a quick answer, yes. I think Canada will finish in the top four. Yeah, I also think that they'll they'll get the job done. But uh, I just wanted to mention the really overarching point, like Jack was saying, is that just two World Cup berths in a row, like maybe the first one, if they could qualify here, they're just feeling feeling out, and then they uh, take their lessons back after playing playing in that World Cup, and then they they really try to actually pick up some points uh, in the 2026 World Cup. So it is really exciting times. But, yeah, I think they will do it. I think they'll qualify. That would be amazing. Oh, imagine if they qualify. That would be amazing. And like we say, like, it would be huge that getting the two, the two World Cups in a row, just even if it's just the group stage, the fact that you're there just shows the progress, brings more attention, and then uh, helps with the development of the sport. Because all I think all three of us agree that they are – there is a lot of talent in Canada and you can see that through some like Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Atiba Hutchinson, who is at the age of, I think 38, just an absolute uh, specimen. He's so, so good and so athletic and just played really well in in the games throughout the, um, throughout the opening stages of the qualifiers, but there's definitely talent here. And all three of us are definitely passionate about um, seeing the, the progress that the country has Uh, for the sport and hopefully it comes sooner rather than later but we are on the right track which is the most important thing so we can maybe get our hopes up we will see and also the last thing i'll say on this is it actually for the first time i think i'm going to enjoy international breaks from the premier league for the first time uh, in my lifetime because usually i don't like the international break but now we actually have some stuff to look forward to and stuff to follow. So it should be good, but we'll, we'll move on now. Uh, we'll, we'll go through, we're not going to go through all the Premier League games. We're just going to choose a couple to, to speak about this week, but we'll start off obviously the, the big one. And I do have some, some stuff to say about this, but I'll let you guys go first because we're going to get into a bit of a discussion, but Man United taking on Newcastle, Cristiano Ronaldo making his return. Uh, at Old Trafford, obviously scores. We Everybody knew he was going to score, but I'll, I'll let you guys take this one away and just your thoughts on, on the game and, and Ronaldo coming back. Yeah, like you mentioned, obviously the game, the, the final result as well was very satisfying. And yeah, the storyline, of course, Ronaldo was going to score. Um, obviously not, not the best goals, but the first goal he had to be there. And like me and Aiden were mentioning during the game, probably like, uh, in the United squad, probably Cavani's the only the only forward who would be in the same position as Ronaldo, like making the run after the shot happened. So he really earned that one. Um, 
And the second goal he kind of created with himself, like Luke Shaw was a nice ball, but it was just a bit behind him. And just the way he kind of dragged the ball forward, like in, in one motion without breaking stride. And then, and then shot up the left foot, obviously it was, it was lucky to go through the legs of Woodman and, and Nat, who was, who was wasting time right away from the eighth minute or so. But um, yeah, it was every, everything apart from the finish was good, but obviously no one's going to complain. It went in the net and that's all you want. Um, and yeah, Newcastle actually, if you look at just the result, Newcastle didn't play too badly. They had a couple spells in the game where they were looking really dangerous, and mostly St. Maxman, who obviously got an assist for for Mankio's goal. But yeah, it wasn't really like a a four one performance exactly. Um, yeah, honestly, there's not that much to say about it. They played well, but obviously they got overrun. The better players, like we say, usually pull it out. Um, Bruno scored a worldie, and and Jesse Lingard scored a very nice goal and in out of time which is obviously like a goal that we don't see too often from united just the one touch passing in the box there were like three or four one touch passes in a row it was a, it was an unbelievable goal to watch to be honest and it was very satisfying it's not like i just said it's not really the goal that united scores all too often but it just makes it much more special when it happens and yeah i don't know how much more to, to dive into the game obviously a good result to get the three points and i know it's only four games in but united top of the table along with uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. Obviously a good result. And yeah, to be honest, I don't have that much more to add. I think it was a pretty and dominant. Everton. Sorry, oh, Jake. Sorry. After the Everton are also tied up there. Don't don't forget about us. All right. I'm, I'm sure all four of those teams will be there at the end of the season. No, um, yeah, and Everton, of course. But yeah, that's, that's about it. Just United just dominated the game, really, in my opinion. Even though, like I mentioned, Newcastle had a couple spells, but I think really, if you looked at the game, there's only going to be one one winner, and obviously, it was it was going to be United and, and Ronaldo in his homecoming. So that was very nice to see. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say, to be honest. And just oh, also, just as something that we've always complained about, United just being a threat off set pieces. Finally, Varane he hasn't scored yet, but he's come close. I think two or, on two or three occasions, so headers from corner. So. That'll definitely be something to watch. I think Maguire as well had a header from a corner in this game. So, like I just said, something to watch from United. Hopefully much more goals than, from set pieces this season than previously because we know that's the area where United were previously terrible. And the only downside, obviously, was was not getting a clean sheet from this game, but I'm sure that'll come as well. And, yeah, the defensive performance was pretty good. So not 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 too much to complain about for this one. Yeah, uh, Aiden, uh, do you have anything else to add? Not really too much to add. Uh, decent showing from Newcastle, in my opinion, like like you were saying. I, I think United's one of the only teams that can make Joe Linton actually look like a decent player, and I think that's just down to the – obviously we know Fred isn't isn't a great at passing at all, like atrocious at passing, but I think without his energy in there, uh, Newcastle could really run at the, at the back four, and you saw that numerous times in the game, even though the stats – I don't really look like Newcastle did too much. I was very nervous when it was 1-1 that United were just blowing at Classic United. But I think the best thing about this game was just the atmosphere in the stadium and the fans and the fan reaction over Ronaldo. It was it was pretty much what I expected, a 3-0 a three, three or something like that with a couple of Ronaldo goals. So it was happy, but as we know, it, it kind of turned sour a few days uh, later. Well, yesterday, but that's it for this game. It was pr- pretty straightforward, but I'm still worried uh, a little bit more quality from Newcastle and maybe United uh, could have been hurt a little bit more, but that's just my opinion. I think that uh, the defense can can be got at a lot in this United team, but I don't know if that's just how they're setting up or it's just the lack of energy in the midfield. But yeah, good win, and uh, you can never be too upset when your team scores four goals and Ronaldo makes his home return. So very pleased. 
Yeah, it was a good it was a good game. They they definitely deserved to win. And and like you said, sometimes the structure of the of the team and, and defensively they can look a little bit strange. But again, that comes down to the fact that all three of us have said they need that number six in order to get that balance down. And when you have this many attack like as many attacking players as United do, the balance is going to be important. But maybe for this season or until they sign the six, if they just really go for it and try to outscore everybody, it could work. Uh, if we if we think that they're going to score every single game, but yeah, they definitely deserve to this one to to win in this one. And, and Ronaldo, it was just like we said, it was inev- inevitable that he was going to score. I think everybody thought he was going to score. I do. There's part of me though, and and like we won't. I won't go into it too much. Part of me is still uh, pretty. I don't know. I, I feel very uneasy about some of the like like incredible amounts of of praise and coverage that Ronaldo is receiving when when we do know that there's some off field stuff that really compared to the amount of praise and everything we're not hearing anything anything about this this off field stuff and a lot of that makes me I don't know I I don't know. I don't feel great about it. It does make me feel, feel uneasy. And just, especially when you're seeing, um, and I don't mean to be too negative here, but as a neutral, the amount of like, I, if I was a Newcastle fan in this game, I know in the UK, they couldn't even watch the games uh, on TV because of uh, um, some scheduling reasons. But in terms of like the, the, the pre-match buildup was like only, only on Ronaldo and Ronaldo only. And it was kind of unbearable as a neutral, but uh, more so for me, it was it was just the fact that there are some off-field stuff that are that are, uh, are are aren't very good at all. To I won't go into it, but it's it makes me feel pretty uneasy with the amount of of coverage that that uh, or the lack of coverage that some of that stuff is, is getting. But move on to the the other game. I'll let you guys speak about this one. Not a good performance from United taking on young boys in the Champions League, losing in the last minute. Uh, Jake, I'll let you go through this one. Obviously, you guys are disappointed, but just what what went wrong in this one? And, and are United going to be able to bounce back? Yeah, I would expect United to be able to bounce back. Like you said, it's very early on. It's just the, the first game of the group stage, so there's no need to get too too crazy about it like obviously i was disappointed like anyone else but i wasn't i wasn't furious after the game i've seen a lot of it's crazy i've seen a lot so many like Solskjaer outposts already after this game which is ridiculous it's the first loss honestly i know it, it doesn't always seem like it with with united but i think united's only lost like like five games since the start of last season so it's not like we're used to losing so some of these guys just need to relax a little bit um yeah it's it's not like he's doing a bad job obviously finishing second in the league but yeah i would expect you to be able to bounce back um obviously villarreal and atalanta drawing helped and they're, they're both good teams obviously but united should be able to to be beating them anyway obviously um didn't exactly happen in the Europa League final, but over the course of, of six games, United should be the team to get the most points out of this group. And obviously, it's still possible. Ronaldo just scored quite early. That that was a, a good start, but that was a disappointing thing for United. As soon as Juan Bissaka got his red card, United didn't have a single shot for the rest of the game. And and yeah, I don't know if you've seen the stats, Jack, but United just finished with two shots and two on target. Like I mentioned, none after Juan Bissaka got sent off and 46% possession. So they weren't really... Well, not at all. They weren't creating anything after Wambasaka got sent off. Obviously, it's kind of a understandable in a way, um, 
but yeah, just against a team like I don't want to be too disrespectful, but against a team like Young Boys, you should still be be able to do something. Obviously, I think the only chance that United had after was when Ronaldo went clean through. But um, uh, what happened? He fell down and he, he wasn't fouled in the box. I guess he was just trying to level up the scores with the red cards and get a penalty, but it didn't end up happening. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, other than that, like young boys do deserve credit as well. Obviously, they, like I mentioned, they had the extra man, but they still did play well. Um, they weren't threatening too much until they scored the goal. But as soon as they scored, I think I, I messaged you, Jack, and I said I think that United were going to lose after that because obviously the momentum was just going all one way and the crowd noise um, as well made a difference. But I, I'll just I'm not I'm not done speaking about it. But for the sub for the red card, I, I just want to know what you think about Aiden because we didn't actually mention it. Do you think that? subbing off Sancho was the right choice or not? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I, I think that the hard part when you're looking at the United team, especially when they go down to 10, 10 men, you're kind of looking at Pogba, Fernandez, Sancho, and, and Ronaldo, and you're thinking, well, none of those players are going to do very much work to help the team uh, off the ball, so how are you going to fix that? And I think that we're going to a back five could have been a solution, but I'm not sure like what the, if that was the plan that he had set in mind, if he wanted to go to a back five and try to um, kind of attack down the wings and, and use Luke Shaw and DeLoe as outlets. But if that's the case, then he probably should have just left Ronaldo on the pitch for the whole game. Um, I think that he should have just taken off Fernandez and, and uh, maybe stuck someone else in, in midfield. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not really sure if, if I would like agree with it totally, it depends on what the plan is. But once again, we're, we're not really seeing very good. I don't know. How would you say it? Uh, like not very convincing from the, the management team, uh, which is worrying. in in my opinion, I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence here, but I'm not sure. It's obviously now I can say, Oh, it wasn't great because they didn't have any more shots on target and they lost the game. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Sancho had a very good half anyways, so I think it might have just been a easy target to take off. But it, it could have been better if there was already a plan when they went down to 10 men. Uh, that's my long-winded way of saying I'm not really sure. And uh, if it would have went the other way, we really would have been praising him. So uh, I think it's just really a big period for uh, Ole to be tested. And I think by the end of the season, I'll kind of have my conclusions on him and the staff as managers. Sorry about the long answer. No, that's a good point. I, just the only thing I would have said is just, it's not, I'm not bashing the decision at all. I just, it just would have been nice to have Sancho play like a ni- 90 minutes, 70 minutes, just get more up to speed. Um, Obviously when you, when you go down to 10 men, you can't really just keep someone on just to make up minutes or whatever. So I, I do understand that substitution. It just would have been, I think it could have been helped. And like I said, this is all hindsight, right? So like as well, like you said, Aiden, if, if the result would have finished one nil for United, I, would, I wouldn't be saying this, but I feel like just keeping Sancho on the pitch could have just helped United be a bit more, more direct, I guess. Cause whenever, let's say United would win the ball back from young boys, like Bruno or, or Pogba wouldn't go on the kind of run that Sancho would and just keep the ball and run down the wing. So that could have been a difference, but like I mentioned, United weren't really getting forward anyway. So it could have just been to no avail. Um, Donnie starting this game as well. Obviously, him and Sancho were both the unlucky ones to be subbed off early. Van de Beek at, at halftime and Sancho, like we mentioned, after Juan Bissaka's red card for Delo. Again, it would have been nice to see Donnie finish the game just to finally get his chance, but 
again this isn't what i'm i'm not criticizing solskjaer at all it's needs must at this stage with the red card to do anything to to try and keep the result um, and get united at least a point which is kind of what solskjaer was going for near the end um and this was the only time because you guys know i, I literally never criticized solskjaer because i feel like he's done as, as good a job as literally anyone else would have done and but the aspect of this game that i was disappointed with was when he subbed off ronaldo and bruno i think it was around the 70th minute mark i could be wrong but somewhere around there just for for Matic and Lingard it was it was clear just it was defensive to see out the game and again if United would have finished 1-1 I still would have been disappointed with the result but I wouldn't have been I guess as disappointed as as losing the game um but yeah I I still think with the players that United had they could have caused young boys some problem problems and and I've I've watched a couple like reviews after the game so I do understand and, and it it does make sense take off Ronaldo just still getting up to just I guess full fitness because he missed obviously a couple games for Portugal during the national break and, and Juventus to start off the season and still getting used to his teammates as well so I don't have a big problem with the sub and as well obviously with the way the game was uh, and the result you know, Ronaldo wasn't really going to be helping out defensively which you need with with 10 men but it still would have been nice to see United go for it. And again, I know I keep repeating myself, but it's, it's just hindsight. So if they would have seen it out, I would have said, okay, fair enough. He got the point he was after. It worked out well. But it was just disappointing. Obviously, Lingard coming on and, and having that, that terrible moment right in, in the 95th minute. I think there were like like 30 seconds left in the game or something like that. And then then the the, the terrible back pass and then lets in um, uh, Sabichu to, to score the winner, which it was obviously a very disappointing moment. But that's pretty much i think it's the first time i've been critical at all about Solskjaer, just to maybe keep on maybe just bruno and and sub on lingard and just have bruno and lingard going forward or something like that obviously i, I don't have the the solutions i'm not the i'm not a manager i'm not like skilled in that in that area so i can't really say that i would have done it better it was just yeah, it was just disappointing. Pretty much is all I could say. It just would have been nice to see United just still even trying to offer a threat on the on the counter, um, in this late in the second half. But yeah, obviously Solskjaer is fine. Like he's doing exactly what he can, and still like we like I mentioned earlier, still five games to go. So I'm not going overboard at all with this. But Aiden, like, what do you think about the subs or just the way the game was going in general? Yeah, I think the kind of the worst or most confusing sub for me was subbing in Martial after they already went defensively, taking off Fred in the 89th. Like, what was Tony really going to do uh, to to impact the game, especially if you've already kind of set up to go for a draw? Uh, I wasn't really uh, understanding that one at all. And then the other thing about the Ronaldo substitution is that they did try to punt the ball up to him a few times. Obviously, he's up against several uh, – players and he never really got near the ball and all he was looking to do was kind of uh, run near defenders and go down so he wasn't really offering anything in that sense and then we were also mentioning how slow Sancho was looking um, so I think if you were looking for someone to counterattack, it would be a player like Rashford who's obviously not fit or uh, Elanga who hasn't had any minutes yet this season but he is a youngster so yeah, I think uh, Ole was confusing with the Martial one, but I, I understand the rest of it. And then the individual mistakes, uh, Juan Bissaka and Lingard, very poor. But I'm not going to overreact like Jack has made fun of me before. I, I said United were going very deep in the Champions League last year after winning the opening two games. And uh, hopefully we get a reversal of that. United start off slow and they just uh, go cruising through the Champions League from here on out. I'm very hopeful for that. 
and it's all still it's uh, all still to play for. Sorry, so I'm just keeping the faith. Uh, it's embarrassing. That's probably the worst part, and just embarrassing. But other than that, we see other teams today not picking up the best results that you'd expect, so they can be embarrassed too. You just have to get better and uh, yeah, win all your uh, home games and uh, one away game, and you should be fine. Yeah, I would be. Like, I think I'm pretty fair with Solskjaer with the job that he's done, especially in terms of like integrating Greenwood and some of the young, younger players in terms of making the culture a little bit better or a lot better compared to what it was under Mourinho. But like for this one, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at lineup. And yes, I know they got a red card, but I'm looking at the lineup and some of the players on the field for United. You've got Cristiano Ronaldo, you've got Paul Pogba, Bruno, Sancho, uh, Fred. But even Fred, Fred would probably be the best he'd be the best player on on young boys so that sort of thing van de Beek, luke shaw harry Maguire. i don't rate lindelof but david de gea just even even down a man especially especially after taking the league they've they've got to at least draw the game but even a draw i think i'm being very generous but the fact that you you go and lose that game is is really really poor in my opinion i know it's difficult with a man down but there's definitely enough quality there that Solskjaer has to come up with something something better. Again, I didn't see this game. I was getting updates from Jake, but I'm just basing it off of basing it off of the from, from what I've seen and what I've read is is that the the subs and tactics were very very strange from Ole, and we're, we're I'm definitely in agreement with Aiden. Like we'll see by the end of this season, we'll definitely know where where he stands. It might be his his last season. Uh, in terms of what he can do, because I think that a, a high quality coach, if if there's any that are interested in, in available, I think that if you got an elite level coach with this team, I, I sign a number six next summer, and I think they could really, really, really be on to something. Um, but but we'll have to wait and see. And it's again, it's just it's a, a really, really poor result. Like not good at all. But good. I should probably say give praise to young boys because I, I from what I read and stuff, they're very, very good. Um, but yeah, from United's perspective, not, not good enough, not even close, but yeah, that's about it from me. We'll move into the Everton game now, Everton taking on Burnley at Goodison Park in a game that was definitely uh, a test for Everton in terms of the style of play that we've seen from them so far. Their performances have been good, but they haven't really played against a team like Burnley, but they were successful. They won 3-1. Uh, I was very impressed with this game. After they made some changes in like the 60th minute or so, after the Michael Keane goal, Everton started with playing three center backs at home against Burnley, which I did not like to see, but I did some reading and I was listening to some stuff. And apparently Rafa did it as a one-off against, uh, against Burnley when he was at Newcastle. Uh, but I, again, I really didn't want to see Everton with three center backs playing against Burnley and it really wasn't working at all. I don't really know why they decided to go that way because as soon as they switched, they got a goal through Michael Keane, a good header from him in the 60th minute. But like prior to that point, absolutely nothing in the game happened beside Everton conceding off of like a, the second phase of a, a free kick and, and obviously Burnley are super dangerous off of set pieces and it was a tough one to defend. But uh, at that point it, it was looking like Everton were going to lose, but the fact that they, they pulled it back and once they switched to a, a, a more progressive formation and went for the game more before three, three for the rest of the game, they were very, very, very good. And uh, 
I, I think it just shows that like just ditch the three at the back. They can actually do stuff in a four, three, three now. And, and, uh, but when you watch them play, they actually, you can see exactly what they're trying to do. It's quick vertical passes. Even if they give a, the ball away, that's okay. Cause they're actually trying to get up and encounter and get up the field all game. And although originally, and I know again, still early sample size originally I had questions over the fact that, Oh, can this counter attacking football um, it's, it's much more reactive but when I'm looking at it now, and I could still be wrong in this, and the season will, will tell with what happens, but it's it's not that Everton are reacting to anything. It's just the fact that maybe they just don't value – it's it's not that they don't value possession. It's the fact that they want to be very – Rafa obviously wants them to be very purposeful with the ball, and even if they give it away, that's okay because they'll just restart and go again. But it's very clear what they're trying to do. Just the quick passes, get up the field, try to get shots off. And Andros Townsend, I thought Bruno was going to have the, the best goal of the weekend, but Townsend just pulled out a definitely a, a goal of the season contender. Let's hope it's not his, his only goal in the Premier League this season, but just an absolute rocket from way out, way out there on his left foot was really good. And then Damari Gray, only a minute later, sent through with a really good ball from Decore and, and finished again and again gray with a, a good goal and he's in really good form and the last thing i have to say about this is it's probably the fact that it's just good to see an everton team i i know exactly what to expect every time they play now like they have a game plan it's, it's clear to see there's there might be questions over uh how they can do against the top teams and we'll, we'll see that pretty soon when everton take on united but at least even for that game i know they have a game plan I know what to expect compared to last season where Ancelotti watched and you couldn't really figure out what they were trying to do. Um, but uh, I should point out that they really, they didn't have fast wide players like Damari Gray or Townsend out, out wide to really create some balance within the team. So maybe Ancelotti would have had a different idea, but so far so good from Rafa um, really good start, not the hardest schedule, but scoring three goals against Burnley after going down a man against Burnley who are very, very hard to hard to break down. It's, it, it's really good to see, but uh, Aiden, I'll come to you first. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. Very impressed uh, by Everton at the start of the season might've put them a little bit low on my, on my predictions. I wasn't really sure to expect what to expect, but obviously highlighted gray, very, very, very good start to the season. I liked him when he was at Leicester, but hopefully this form continues. And what you're talking about, about being more purposeful, I think that's really important. And perhaps one of the reasons why they could be a lot more effective um, under Rafa than uh, under Ancelotti, even though uh, obviously we all know Ancelotti is a good manager, is that when I look at this lineup, I don't really see any luxury players, anyone that you kind of have to put in the team for their quality, like a James Rodriguez, like everybody's there to do a job and kind of uh, work for the team, do both sides of the game. So I think that really helps. And obviously uh, Benitez wouldn't be having a player like Rodriguez in the lineup too much anyways, but I just think that that's a big difference from uh, what we saw last season. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you think there's someone as the luxury in there, but that's what I see, especially when you're up against a team like Burnley, everyone's got to be uh, working very hard. And uh, yeah, I'm just really impressed by their start. We'll see how long uh, they can last. Uh, obviously it's not really something to talk about for this game, but the strength and depth when I'm looking at the bench isn't very good, but that's just something to build over time. Like we always talked about. 
yeah, but the starting 11 is, is looking very solid. And yeah, I'm always impressed with, uh, with Ben Godfrey, one of my favorites. So yeah, uh, I like Everton a lot uh, with the players that they have. And I hope uh, they keep doing what they're doing. That's about it for me. Good job. Yeah, like like you like you said, Ben Godfrey. Obviously, it was a big help to have him back, just playing in the center of the back three. And obviously, we know his pace. He could just cover behind either Yeremina or Keane. I, uh, I think Burnley actually started the game pretty well. Dwight McNeil played a nice cross. I think Chris Wood probably should have scored. Um, I can't remember exactly what happened. I think he just thought he was going to get hit by Pickford. So he kind of he kind of took his eye off the ball. He tried to like get himself out of the challenge, but Pickford didn't come all the way. So the ball just kind of hit his head and, and dribbled wide. But other than that, like we know Burnley, they're not going to create the most chances. I still thought they were they were quite good to maybe the first 30 minutes or so. Uh, and obviously, like you mentioned, Jack, they took the lead. Uh, I think it was just a free kick. Ben Mee is scoring in his, in his 200th Premier League game. So... I'm sure he was very proud with that, and Everton just really overran them, and it was probably just as as good of a six-minute sequence as I've ever seen from a team, to be honest, from, from Everton. Just kept winning the ball back and going forwards immediately at Burnley, and Burnley didn't really know how to deal with it, which obviously not something we we normally expect from them. <clears throat> we just always think of them as, as defensively solid and you know can can withstand pressure and stuff but yeah they couldn't really deal with it Everton even had that fourth from Dukure I think it was just like two minutes after Demari Gray's goal but this allowed due to an offside so that really would have put the nail in the coffin but yeah Burnley couldn't really deal with that six minute sequence like I mentioned from Everton and that was really impressive because I don't remember Everton creating that many clear-cut chances and I, I was kind of worried after the game or not after the game sorry during the game about how they were going to get their chances. And like you mentioned, Jack, the three center backs isn't really that inspired. But um, I, I don't know if it's needed, but it definitely helped as well. Just going up against Burnley's front two. Obviously, we know Chris Wood and Barnes, they like to get physical and get back against the defenders. So just having that, that spare man helps a lot. And yeah, overall, it was just a... Once everything came back in, it was just a nicely executed game plan. Um, and like you mentioned, yeah, that Townsend goal was very nice. And Demar Gray, I think I saw he scored with 100% of his shots this season. So that's not going to gonna continue. But three straight games with a goal for Demar Gray, and he's looking very good so far in Everton shirt. So very um a promising start to the season for sure for Everton. The, the challenge is going to be to keep it up on like last season where they started off just as well, I think. And then it really went downhill after that. But just had to just had to remind you but um yeah it's it's a very good start from Everton so far and I'd be happy if I was a fan at the moment yeah it's it's just good like I like consistency I like knowing like you can see they have an identity I, I I see the identity of what they're trying to do I'm I'm hoping that Rafa ditches I hope that was a one-off with the back three because it really didn't work yes it kind of stopped Burnley but even then they did end up scoring first with with us playing three at the back and we're at home so it's like can we just go and, and, and beat them? But in terms of the, the performances compared to last season, when we started off, uh, started off really well, but the underlying numbers were not very good. And, but even for this one, I think that for the XG, the XG battle, we still edged that one. And, and like you said, we were very close with the decor, just being offside Andre Gomez missing from like the six yard, six yard box. I don't know how he missed that one, but again, it could have been, um, for that that six minute spell for about there's like maybe after the six minute maybe 10 minutes where it was like this looks like they could beat them five six uh five six seven you know like score a ton a ton of goals which is 
not something you say about Everton, literally against anyone uh, and, and also against Burnley who are just going to defend. And I think that that's just a, a really good victory in terms of how they have to win against those teams. But I still saw a game plan that they stuck to. And as long as Rafa just, just realizes, just don't go back three, let's just go with the back four. Um, then yeah, we can definitely be effective in, in the, in the quick transitions and, uh, and really just trying to get the ball in the box quickly. And, and just also like Calvert-Lewin, he's hurt for a couple of weeks now, apparently. So I don't think last season I could, could have predicted that, that we could even, even get a result against Burnley without having Calvert-Lewin. So it just goes to show there's a game plan. Uh, it, it's good to see they look consistent. So hopefully it continues uh, for, for a while longer, but we'll have to wait and see. Like we always say, uh, let's move on now. I want to talk about Crystal Palace taking on Spurs. Crystal Palace winning 3-0 after Jaffa Tinganga got sent off. Uh, we, we've spoken, we like speaking about Palace on the podcast because we think that they're an interesting club, especially this summer with the decisions that they made in terms of recruitment and getting Patrick Vieira to bet in those, those young players that they've brought in. Uh, obviously, this was a great result, but Jake, what do you think of Palace? What do you think their start so far? Yeah, even though they, they don't have the points results that they probably would have liked, I think they've looked pretty good so far, to be honest, and or as good as, as we could have expected anyway. I saw a lot of people kind of comparing the start to, to Frank DeBoer's start before this game, obviously, where they had like no points, and I think they had only scored two goals in the previous game against West Ham. Those were the only goals of the so far this season, but they've looked really, really good so far. Um Obviously, as you could tell just from this game, beating Spurs 3-0, even though they did have the extra man, uh, for a little bit, uh, Tanganga sending off was was fair. We saw his first yellow. He got caught in a tangle with with Zaha, and just a little shoving match ensued, which happens pretty much every game with Zaha. He's kind of a, an angry person, but it worked for him. It got Tanganga on the on the edge, and he got sent off for a second yellow later on. And Connor Gallagher's looked really good so far this season. He's a really good player. I know me and Aiden were quite impressed with him last season at West Brom, and. And we watched the the Palace versus West Ham game uh, the week before the national break where he scored both goals and he looked really good there as well. So <clears throat> he's a pretty exciting player as well. Obviously, Palace keeping a clean sheet obviously would have helped quite a bit. And Odson Edouard might have been the best debut in Premier League history. He just subbed on, scored, I think it was 25 seconds after he got subbed on and he scored a second goal like three minutes later or something like that obviously this isn't gonna happen it was just a funny kind of thing that i saw i saw like i think it was opta joe that they said if he scores at the at the current rate for the whole season which obviously he won't i think he's on course to get like 390 goals or something like that so it just kind of goes to show how much he did in, in the, so much in so little time in his debut obviously to help being against 10 men um like like i said but yeah, still impressive from him. I think it's probably pretty important to get a, to go a, a, to get a goal early on in his uh his Premier League stint, I guess I, I should say, or his Premier League career. Um, and yeah, obviously can come better against a London rival in, in Spurs, and really just putting a nail in the coffin and ending the game for them. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start the next game. He, he linked up. I know he hasn't been at the club for that long. We linked up pretty well with Zaha. Obviously, I'm going to say it again, just a caveat that they had 10 men or that they were playing against 10 men. So it could have made a difference. But yeah, it was just that was good. It was an enjoyable game. Spurs never really got going. And actually, I don't think Spurs, I don't think they had that many shots either over the course of this game. I wasn't impressed with them going forward anyway. I saw a lot of people saying that this was like Mourinho 2.0, but 
yeah, overall, just very happy for Palace because obviously, like you mentioned, it was it was an interesting dis- uh, direction that they went this summer, and I guess it paid off in this game anyway. And yeah, they looked really good so far. So I guess that's that's it for me. Aiden, do you have anything to add about the uh, Crystal Palace? Not too much. Just very very surprised with this result. Uh, happy for Palace and, and Patrick Vieira to kind of get up and running for the season and. Um, yeah, for Spurs, very, very poor result. And uh, I don't think they fare very well in, in history when they play games and they start the day at the top of the table. So that's something else to note. And then another interesting stat, and I guess I'm a big stats guy today, it's just that uh, Edouard, when uh, making his pre- uh, making a Premier League debut, is only the fourth player in the competition to score more than one goal as a substitute. And uh, the first since Aguero in uh, 2011 so that's pretty interesting and like you said uh, Spurs didn't really create anything I think they only had one shot on target so very very poor display and I saw lots of uh, Spurs fans already being very very disgruntled with his performance and saying oh Mourinho wouldn't have lost 3-0 at least he would have kept it uh, to less than 3-0 but I just think about those fans if those are the standards that you're looking for less than 3-0 looking for just a 1-0 loss against Crystal Palace and maybe you need to evaluate uh, just the whole situation where the club is at. But I can kind of excuse a little bit without having Youngman's son. But as we always say, the, the quality should have been there to win the match for uh, Spurs. So they'll be looking to rebound. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, not a good result for Spurs. And I know, like I saw the stats about Harry Kane, just like not not being involved uh, at all in the game. But in, in terms of the way that Nuno plays and the way that that Spurs are going to play under Nuno with the counterattack, somebody like Youngman's son who who isn't available, like you said, is, is, is a huge miss, especially in a game like this, where he'd be able to carry, carry and drive the ball in, in, into the crystal palace half, but they were just dominated from, from start to finish, even before the red card, I thought palace were playing really well. And um, I, I just like seeing for crystal palace. I just like the approach. It is a risk. We know it's a risk. We know that they could get relegated, but it, I, I like that they're trying to, uh, advanced. They've already solidified, for the most part, solidified their Premier League status over the last like five, five years, I would say, if they've been in the league five years. Yeah, they have. Uh, but to try to advance and try to push and go even farther up the table, even if it means they take a step back uh, in the meantime to bet in these young players, I like that they're they're being proactive and and they're trying to trying to do something rather than be just happy to stay in the league. Because some some teams seem to seem to be like that or make decisions that would uh, allow them to do that. But I'm happy for Crystal Palace. And sorry, what were you saying? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But the last thing that I was going to say about Palace that could make a big difference is now that they have Anderson and Gahey at the back, they can actually play Coyote in midfield. And for me, he's like very underrated in the whole league as a midfielder and obviously the physicality, but he's just a great player. So I think that makes a big difference to the overall structure of the team. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 that's that's all good. It probably does make sense. It just gives them a little bit more energy in there, probably a bit more uh, athleticism out, rather than like Luka Milivojevic or, or just a partner him in there just to give a little bit more mobility. And then you've got Connor Gallagher, who's like really, really good so far. I think he's just on loan from from Chelsea, but he's a good player. And I, I, I'm just excited. Like I would be excited if I was a Palace fan. Cautious, but excited nonetheless. But uh, yeah, very good result from them. Spurs are going to have to bounce back, but we know that uh, Nuno's style can be very, very dry at times. And those are some results that can take place, especially if you go down a man, but not the best from them. 
Uh, move on now. Do you want to mention Arsenal have won a game? I didn't see this one, but Aubameyang scored to give Arsenal a 1-0 win against Norwich. Uh, really, really quick, one sentence. Uh, Jake, thoughts on Arsenal getting the win against Norwich? Very lucky if you see the goal. Oh, my, what a goal that was. But, no, I mean, obviously Arsenal just, just showed their class. I won't go too long. I know you said one sentence. Arsenal showed their class in this game. From from all accounts, they played really well and rising up to the dizzying heights of 16th place in the table. So that's it. Aiden, what do you think? Yeah, they're so high up in the table, they might get a nosebleed. But, yeah, it looks like they found a, a team that's about their level in Norwich. Uh, Jake, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I was going to ask you, do you remember the, the pundit that was uh, – absolutely loving that terrible Aubameyang goal. Do you remember who that was in his comments? Was it? I think it was Sherwood, right? Yeah, Sherwood. Oh, and he my. was just going on and on about what a brilliant goal it was, even yeah. though many deflections. Uh, I thought he was supposed to be a Spurs man. Why is he so excited over this crappy Arsenal goal? <laughs> Anyways, good good for Arsenal. That was way more than one sentence, but sorry about that, Jack. No, it's all good. I just want to also pipe in of Tim Sherwood in his commentary. Obviously, we don't know these guys, so we don't want to be too critical because it's a very, very tough thing to do. But Tim Sherwood, something he said this weekend, I died laughing when I heard it because it's just something he would say. But he said, I can't remember what game it was on, but he said he said the quote wrong. He said, he's like, if you buy the ticket, you win the raffle, which is not how the quote goes at all. And it just absolutely killed me when the when he brought that up on the commentary. So um, it just, it's some of the stuff, some of the stuff makes me laugh that some of the analysts say, but I just want to point that out. But Arsenal, uh, I guess it was a better performance. I know like everybody's going to be like, oh, it was against Norwich. And yes, it was against Norwich, but they had to play Norwich and everybody's going to have to play Norwich. So they got the result. I know Mikel Arteta was happy with his comments about it being a great time at Arsenal over the last couple of weeks. And, Maybe it gives him a little bit more time to implement his ideas, but still, still early days in this season to see what, what's going on there. And they still have a lot of work to do, but yeah, good result for them. Nonetheless, uh, the last game we're going to talk about today, because it was an exciting game, Liverpool taking on Leeds, Leeds getting a red card, obviously Harvey Elliott feel really bad for him. Just not a good injury. He's only like 18 or 19 and started the season off really, really well. And, uh, it's never good to see a, a player go injured and go off injured and have a serious injury like that. So hopefully he can get back to his best. But um, other than that, I'll, I'll see what you guys think about this game. But honestly, like I, I watched Liverpool in this even before the red card. And like, I, I think I'd probably, if I had the chance to kind of redo my Premier League table, I'd probably where I said, I have man United in third and Liverpool in fourth. I'd probably switch those two around from based on what I've seen so far. I've just been really impressed with Liverpool so far. And they're just against Leeds, even before the red, just looked like they were going to absolutely destroy them at every opportunity. But Jake, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, absolutely dominant from Liverpool. Um, I will not be switching my table because I still just believe in United. I don't know. But um, <clears throat> yeah, like you mentioned, they were really all over Leeds for this game. Uh, Salah obviously opening the scoring. Fabinho, I don't remember that goal. I think my the zone might have crashed. To be honest, right when that goal went in, I came back and it was two 0 But 
Um, just over the course of the game, the only thing I will say about Liverpool, probably one of the only negatives, aside from Harvey Elliott's injury, of course, was, was Sadio Mane shooting. I know he got on the score sheet in the 92nd minute. I think he had nine shots over the course of the game, which was more than the whole Leeds team. I do remember seeing that sh- that stat. Maybe it was 10 shots. Um, I think he had like two or three on target. His shooting was very wayward, so that was disappointing. And it seemed just as the, as the game went on, the more and more he missed, the more and more he kind of wanted the ball just to shoot, which is, I guess, you could see it as determination, or you could also see it as just being selfish and and just wanting to get like some numbers or something like that. So that didn't impress me too much. His goal was very nicely taken, though, right at the end, just a nice little spin and, and shoot right in the bottom corner. Um, Harvey Elliott's injury obviously disappointing because he's playing a bigger part than I would have expected so far this season. I think probably his replacement for the next game is probably Oxley Chamberlain, if I had to guess, just because um, I've been reading about about not not purposely reading about Liverpool, but there was an article that detailed how Harvey Elliott starts in center mid but drifts off to the wide wide right area and lets Salah come inside. So obviously we know Chamberlain has played on the right for for quite a long time, mostly at Arsenal, but for, for a little bit at Liverpool as well. So. I would kind of be expecting that, but yeah, just obviously not nice to see an injury like that. It was kind of disgusting. He was just holding his leg up and I could just see like his angled, his ankle dangling. I think it was a dislocated ankle. That was the final verdict. So that, that's not good. I don't think it was a red card either, to be completely honest. I think he slide tackled, won the ball and just got unlucky where um, he slid like over Elliot's foot and Elliot's foot just got caught under his body. So I think it's unlucky. Obviously we've seen Elliot make some, some comments after saying he doesn't think it should have been a red card either and kind of asking the Premier League to like overturn the red card which uh, has been denied today but it seems like just from those comments that he's kind of a, a sound sound guy obviously in this example there's a lot of stuff about his background which I won't go into but um and I saw him making fun of United yesterday which is a little bit shocking but <laughs> um anyway just at least he was on he was being reasonable with this one. He he recognized that that Strauch wasn't trying to injure him or it wasn't dirty tackle or anything like that. So that's pretty much all you want, I guess. It's probably the obviously after the injury, but it's the best case scenario. At least he's taking it with a, with a good positive attitude. Um, and yeah, just overall Liverpool good. Have they? I don't even know if they can see the goal so far this season. Yes, yeah, against Chelsea. But other than that, they've been really good. Matip's a, obviously when when he first came in, Matip was kind of a liability, but he's turned into a very good center back. I don't, I don't know how much exactly that is down to him being good and how much is down to being partnered with Van Dyke, but yeah, just been impressed with him in particular and and Fabinho as well, just a very very good uh, uh, defensive midfielder, which we all know. But I I just love a defensive midfielder who has some some big defensive numbers. So even though he plays for Liverpool, I can appreciate what he does for the team and. Yeah. Other than that, nothing really. Just it—it it was a, a a really one-sided contest. Is pretty much the the best I can say for Leeds. And yeah, that's about it. Uh, Aiden, do you have any other thoughts about this game? Not too much about the game itself, but just like you were both mentioning, I think more so Jack, just Liverpool looking very, very terrifying. I'm not going to amend my table, but I'm getting to that point. They're, they're looking very strong. And if they can get that midfield balance like, uh, right, of course, he's like to uh, Klopp's like to deploy Elliott there. If he can uh, rotate that well, Jones, Chamberlain, Keita, Henderson, alongside Fabinho and Alcantara. And then they don't pick up a major injury to Mo Salah or Van Dyke, then yeah, I could definitely see them being right, right up there. Uh, not in fourth, like I said. So very good from Liverpool. And I just got to say, none of us really like Mo Salah, but he's really just rising the Premier League, uh, kind of all-time Premier League's players chart for me. He just a uh, very, very consistent player, no matter if we're, we're not the biggest fans of him. But yeah, great, good, good stuff from Liverpool. And uh, I think they're only downside this season would be that they couldn't find a way to beat the 10 men Chelsea 
but other than that, they've been excellent, and I do not look forward to United playing against them. And I think Leeds could have expected to concede a few, so I'm not going to touch on them too much. Uh, hopefully they have a better run out soon enough. Good luck, Leeds. Yeah, you mentioned most out like Liverpool were dominant. I don't have anything else to say. They they destroyed them. I think their XG, they only won 3-0. I think their XG might have been four or five. They absolutely hammered them. Like if, like you said, Jake, if if uh if uh Sadio Mane, if he could actually shoot in this game or make the right decision, they literally would have won like <laughs> like seven nil. It was it was crazy. But like you said, Aiden, the last thing I'll say, Mo Salah, like despite the fact that a lot of the time. Uh, I know this season he's, his his performances have been very good, and but in other seasons you watch him, you're like he doesn't look like the performances aren't there, and he kind of floats in and out of games. But you at this point we nobody none of us can deny it. his output is is too much. Like he's so he's right up there as an all time Premier League great for me. Like his output is incredible. He scores game in game out every like every single time. And he's terrifying to play against because he can because he can do that and he, he promises goals. So yeah, Liverpool looking very very strong. Uh, hopefully they uh, uh, as a, as a rival fan. Hopefully it's the when when all their players leave for for the African Cup of Nations. Hopefully that's when they drop some points or do it even before them when they get a little bit weaker. But right now they look really really strong. But uh, looking through some of the other games here, Chelsea beating Villa. Tyrone Mings kind of had a shocker in that one, came out and apologized after, but I think we'd all expect Chelsea to win. I actually, guys, I had Lukaku in my fantasy team and I had him on the bench for some reason and I forgot to sub, sub him on. So I'm even farther behind you guys in, in that. But other than that, I think that covers it all for this week. This episode's going to be going out on Thursday. So thank you for listening. We'll have the next episode out next Thursday. It should be pretty consistent from now on. But thank you for listening. Bye.